Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. From the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Thursday, March 16th. 2022. I'm sorry, where did that come from? March 16, 2023. Well, if you are a uh, business owner in the United States, make sure you get in your tax returns or your extensions by midnight tonight. I'm sorry, you should have had them in by midnight yesterday. So hopefully you did get something into the IRS. A lot going on out here today. So I'm going to go right into, are you being manipulated? So there's been a lot of reports today about Poland and uh, sending MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. So my understanding is that these fighter jets are like Soviet surplus in the 1980s they're like one generation before whatever Ukraine's using now or something like that or they're the old stuff or it's one generation back from what Poland is using now so these are like the old fighter planes that the Ukrainians probably you know, could train on and fly with a minimal amount of training and conversion so a lot of news reports are saying Poland is sending over all these fighter jets to Ukraine. Blah, blah, blah. And they're giving the impression that there are huge numbers of these fighter jets going over. So I did a little bit of research. Turns out they're making all this hullabaloo over four fighter jets. I guess on principle, it's a major issue on principle because now they, it's an escalation, uh, in this where, uh, we have not been uh, where this stuff is uh, being sent directly from a NATO country to Ukraine. I don't know if it's uh, uh, right. Uh, so here it is. Poland on third. I mean, they're, they're, whether it's guns or if it's uh, money or if it's food or humanitarian aid or any other equipment. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand what the, uh, I don't understand what the, uh, uh, how much of an escalation this is and other than to have a, uh, talking point. So, uh, here's the story from CNN Poland on Thursday, pleasure would send four MiG 29 fighter jets to Ukraine. The first NATO member to do so in a significant move in Kiev's battle to resist Russia's onslaught president, Andrei. Duda, he's the president of Poland, 
said the planes from about a dozen that it had inherited from the former German Democratic Republic will be handed over in the coming days after being serviced. When it comes to the, this is from Duda being quoted by CNN, when it comes to the MiG-29 aircraft, which are still operating in the defense of Polish airspace, a decision has been taken at the highest levels. We can say confidently that we are sending MiGs to Ukraine. And, uh, that's pretty much it. So I don't know where this is going to go here. Uh, some of the other stuff going on. Uh, we're going to go right to the OSHA news releases uh, for today. Again, I look at this stuff right. Uh, I look at this stuff right up front here. Uh, with the, Like this is the first time I'm seeing this. So you're getting the raw reaction every time here. No, I could be like one of those news readers out there, and night. No, and I'm not as uh, polished as Jay Allen with his news coverage. But you're so you're getting the raw reaction from here from me. So this is from El Paso, Texas. Federal investigators found an oil and gas company employee suffered a fatal exposure to hydrogen sulfide, that's H2S, while working near a sump pit in September 2022. The U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA issued citations to a company for six serious safety and health violations after the agency found the production waste facility exposed employees to serious chemical hazards. The company is located outside of El Paso. At the time, uh, so let's see what they got them here for. So uh, let me look up real quick. Let's get the SDS for hydrogen sulfide. So we got a hydrogen sulfide SDS here. All right, now we're prepared. I am looking at the citation right in front of me here. Citation one, item one, serious. This is the uh, a general industry. I'm sorry, a uh, starting to lose it up since four thirty, guys. Uh, general duty clause violation. So uh, this OSH Act of 1970 uh, states right the employer did not furnish uh, employment in a place of employment which were free of recognized hazards that were causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to employees and that employees are exposed to inhalation slash suffocation hazards. On or about blah, 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 at the such and such facility, oil and gas waste treatment and disposal facility, employees are exposed to inhalation and suffocation hazard while working in areas with potential hydrogen sulfide and using HOS monitors, which were not properly calibrated and were bump tested. So this is probably something that you folks want to note. Does OSHA have uh, 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 standards, right, regulatory standards on calibration? Not that I'm aware of, but they do have some standards for equipment calibration that we talked about the other day with confined space entries. So since... Uh, Right. Since uh, uh, there is, this is a recognized standard. This is a recognized hazard, hydrogen sulfide. They're able to go and have an actual uh, 
they're actually able to cite you under this standard. So among other methods, one feasible and acceptable method to correct this hazard condition would be to follow the employer's document and they have an employer. I'm not going to mention what it is because it'll give it away the name of the employer. Monitoring tests and calibration states. Procedures. One, procedure employees will be trained in the proper procedures for bump tests and calibrating, calibrating monitors they will use. Two, frequency. Monitors must be tested and calibrated at least every 30 days when in use. I don't do that. If I'm going to be in charge of air sampling, or air monitoring, everything gets calibrated before every use and after every use. What a way I do. Three, documentation, testing, calibration of the sensor will be evidenced using a sticker system. So this is along the lines of, they mentioned it, they could have gotten them easily on a willful violation here of the general, right? I don't, uh, for this, right? When they, it was just serious because they knew that they were supposed to be doing this. And they got them, uh, a penalty of almost eleven thousand, ten thousand nine hundred and thirty-eight dollars. Citation one, item two, type of violation series, except as provided elsewhere in this section. This is nineteen ten point twenty-eight. The employer did not ensure that each employee working on a work, walking and working service with an unprotected side or edge that is four feet or more above a lower level was protected from falling by one of the one or more of the systems described. In 29 CFR 1910.28B1I. So there was a fall hazard. That was 6250 bucks. Citation item 3A. And this is a 1910.132. This is the employer did not assess the uh, Workplace to determine if hazards were present or were likely to be present, which necessitated the use of PPE. So there's no assessment. So that was 10938 So the assess- I do this every January where I recommend all my employ all my uh, clients do a hazard assessment. Why? Not a lot going on in January, especially in the construction industry. And this is the other thing with a job hazard analysis, right? This is what covers the you with it. Why no people ask all the time? Why are we doing the JHA? Why are we doing JSA? TH? Aha! Whatever we want to call them. This is the reason why. Nineteen ten one thirty two D one, and there is also another regulation in the construction uh, regulation that states that you have to do uh, communicate hazards and do assessments if you're the competent person, right? And that's what that document takes care of because that just costs them a proposed $10,938. And citation uh, one, uh, uh, citation one item 3B, another serious one. They didn't, they got $0 on this one. The employer did not verify through a written certification, the identity of the workplace evaluated, the person certifying that the evaluation had been performed and date the hazard was done. So that was another one. And we have one more. 1910-1200. And the employees were not provided effective information on and training on hazardous chemicals in their work area at the time of their initial assignment or whatever new hazard that the employees had not been previously trained about was introduced into their work area. 
So there was no HOS training uh, as referenced in their corporate safety plan, no HASCOM training, and uh, hazardous chemical training was not done in language comprehensive to the employee, which means to tell me that uh, uh, essentially the employer was not, uh, what, no, uh, did it in English, and they probably had another language there. That's what I'm looking at here. So this is what we're going to do right off the bat is I'm going to copy this and send it on over because uh, I'm going to forget. Send it right on over to my one of my clients who's dealing with an HOS hazard. Now, so recently, Sheldon Primus, uh, he uh, uh, offered a class on this, and I believe he's a trainer on HOS. Now, uh, when I was on my second honeymoon in Alaska, my wife had a job. I call my second honeymoon. It was uh, our second honeymoon. It was uh, four weeks after our first honeymoon. My wife was doing an uh, event in, uh, in uh, uh, Alaska. And the, uh, it was the ConocoPhillips uh, Anchorage Mayor's Marathon. I believe that's the name of it. So I had gone up there, and there was a uh, training class from the North Slope of Alaska up there. I said, well, let me go and take it because that way I have something to do during the day, and then at night we go out, right, and do second honeymoon kind of stuff. So what ended up happening was a couple of things. The uh, My wife needed a photographer, and I have a nice SLR camera, and she says, can you go and take pictures of what's going on around here? Right, and she gave me that, and uh, I went to. Uh, and that's the story I'll tell in part two of this trip, because it's a funny story, very funny. So I went uh, to uh, 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 this class, and they actually had an HOS segment of for the North Slope of Alaska training for ConocoPhillips and VP uh, uh, people, and I when I was there, at least. Uh, no, I got to go to the class. It was cool to find out some trivia. I learned a lot on H2S, hydrogen sulfide, uh, for that. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. Uh, but the uh, uh, no, at the end of the class, they had in the back of the room uh, – tables set up or that I think was down the hallway. They had tables set up. So if you attended the class, you actually, and you had your resume in hand, right? You, you were able to apply for a job at VP or ConocoPhillips at the time, right then and there, right on the spot, because let's face it, not a lot of people want to go up to Alaska to the Arctic circle. But when you figure out, you know, that it's pretty good pay and there's some other benefits, for being up there. Uh, now, some jobs you're going to find out in life, especially if you're a new worker or a younger worker in, in experiences, networking out opportunities. So a lot of people use the Alaska experience on the oil fields to get their foot in the door for the energy sector, specifically oil and gas. Uh, they call that the upstream versus the downstream, what you get at your pump, right? Put in your car. 
upstream, midstream, downstream, retail is downstream, upstream is exploration, middle, midstream is uh, oil refining and uh, storage and distribution. So anyway, very, very good class, but this is what happened. This is why you don't be nasty to people. So my wife volunteers me. I get voluntold to be a photographer for her event. And I had a bicycle that I rented, really nice bicycle. I probably should have bought it, used. Uh, Burley. Now, Burley does make bicycles, but for, if you're over six foot tall, this was like a nice bike. If you're ever looking for a used bike, nice frame, nice frame that fits big people, Burley is the way to go. Anyway, I'm going around town, and I get to tour the town a couple of times. I got to know Anchorage pretty good, uh, and I see this guy with a ConocoPhillips shirt, and it says, right, race marshal or something like that. I go up to him, and I say, sir, I'm one of the photographers for this or my wife's organization. And I said, uh I was sent to go out and take pictures from this vantage point. Do you have any recommendations as to where I should take pictures? And uh, my wife had printed me out a nice little ID that said, no photographer for blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, yeah, sir, you want to go down to such and such a place, and that's where you want to go. That's blah, blah, blah. Good. Okay. And I said, by the way, I see you have a ConocoPhillips shirt on. Do you work for ConocoPhillips? He said, yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm uh, up here. I volunteer for this race every year for ConocoPhillips. is a good race, good thing. We raise a lot of money for like the charities involved, like your wife's uh, charity. And I said, okay, great. I said, yeah, I do a lot of work at the Bayway Refinery back east in uh, New Jersey. He says, oh, yeah, what do you do? I said, well, I work for one of the contractors as a uh, corporate safety director there. And he says, wow, uh, I'm a certified industrial hygienist. I'm going to be there doing a safety audit later this year in, like, November. I said, really? Can I have your card? And we exchange cards. He says, yeah. He says, I'll, you know, I, I'm going to be uh, auditing you. I said, wow, great. Well, it's nice to meet you. What are you going to be looking for? He said, don't worry about it. You know, it's just normal stuff, routine stuff. As long as you got the routine stuff going, not going to have a problem, Jimmy. I said, okay, thanks. See you then. So we part ways. Anyway, I get back to uh, New Jersey, and I have uh, somebody at the refinery, right? And he uh, says, and he says, and he was not very nice. He was one of our contract people. And he says to me, you Pozel, you, and he's slamming his hand, you have better be ready for your audit in November. And this is like five months away. I said, okay, they're going to be watching you and they're going to be auditing you and you better have your Gwuvno together. And he didn't say Gwuvno. And he's yelling and screaming. I said, oh, really? And he notices I'm not really getting upset. I said, okay. I said, and I take out my wallet. And I have this gentleman's card in there. And I said, is so-and-so coming to visit it? He's like the head of the audit thing. Yeah. He says, yeah. And I said, well, I met him when I was in Alaska. And we talked about everything else, uh, what they were looking for. And I don't think we have anything to worry about. But, no, thanks for the heads up on that. You want to see a guy turn white as uh, snow? You, you see this guy. Funny. So it's safety words. You're going to hear a story. So what's the moral of the story? 
don't act that way. Don't yell. Don't scream. Right? And, you know, he made himself look like an idiot and everything. So, uh, so getting back to hydrogen sulfide. So HUS right, has a lot of different hazards to it. It's flammable. It's compressed gas. Usually, except in this case, it sounds like it was not compressed. Uh, but in like calibration gases, it's a compressed gas. Uh, acutely uh, poisonous. And also uh, no, has long-term uh, hazards. So the hazard statements. And it's also an environmental hazard. Danger, signal word, danger. Hazard statements, extremely flammable gas. Contains gas under pressure. Well, this one I got from for compressed gas. Fatal if inhaled, may cause respiratory uh, irritation. Very toxic to aquatic life. And uh, extended exposure to gas reduces the ability to smell sulfides. May form explosive mixtures with the air. So the uh, permissible exposure limit for uh, hydrogen sulfide, right, has several of them. So the ACGIH sets the limit at 1 ppm TLV uh, at still of 5 parts per million for 15 minutes. NIOSH sets a ceiling limit of 10 parts per million for 10 minutes. OSHA PEL in, from 1989 is... Uh, 10 parts per million, and the Z table, the current one, right? So you have the uh, PEL from the vacated standards in 1989, and you have the Z uh, table level at 20 parts per million uh, ceiling, right? And uh, anyway, that's what we're looking at here with hydrogen sulfide. The lower explosive limit is 4.3%, which if you've been following along, that's 43,000 parts per million. And the upper explosive limit at uh, 450,000 parts per million, or 45%. Now, uh, the, the vapor density is uh, 1.19, so it's a slightly heavier than air. Now, with this stuff, all right, there some other stuff goes on when you're dealing with hydrogen sulfide. So with H2S, you have a lot of stuff going on. So let's say that you're working in, there's two sources. Uh, so there's a couple of uh, different things you got have to realize here with hydrogen sulfide. There's... Uh, I got some other information here. Give me a second here. Bear with me. So the something you have to, it's an, what we call an olfactory inhibitor with that. So what happens is when you start to get uh, close to its ideal H, which is 100 parts million, but it happens at lower levels, your no, you go. Your nose uh, goes blind to recognizing it as a hazard because it's ubiquitous and you don't smell it after a while. So what happens is it's not a very, uh, it's not a very uh, appropriate chemical to use a air purifying respirator with. 
If you're going to be exposed to hydrogen sulfide, how do we protect you? There's a hydrogen sulfide monitoring. You can either have a lapel-type air sampling device, or you can have uh, a regular foregas monitor, which has a hydrogen sulfide monitor on this. Now, with the hydrogen sulfide monitor, when it goes off, you evacuate the area. There, uh, some, there are some uh, chemicals, I'm sorry, some respiratory, uh, respiratory uh, 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 respirators out there that are meant for only escape level only. Now, if you're up in a tower, it's hard in a place hard to get out of. That's all fine and dandy to have that type of respirator, air purifying for escape uh, uh, measures only. But I'm, I tell you what, if we're going to hit a, uh, if we're going to hit a exposure limit IDLH, that alarm going off, it's probably going to be quicker that you get the hell out of there rather than stick around with the respirator. Pardon my French, but you know, it's a, people are messing around with uh, respirators, putting them on. Just leave the area. Now, if you're going to have that uh, an exposure to H2S, right, and it's going to be on there all the time, hydrogen sulfide, prob- you're probably going to want to go for, if you can't do an engineering control, is some type of ventilation. If you can't do a ventilation, remember these are uh, often in class one, division one environments. That may not be always be feasible to have that, that type of equipment out there. It's probably going to be in supplied air. Now, what happens is uh, with, uh, 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 with uh, hydrogen sulfide, it has a very low threshold uh, of, of odor threshold. It has 0.02 ppm. Remember the PEL right for this exposure limits are uh, right up there, right with uh, do do So the TLV is five. I'm sorry, TWA TLV one part per million. NIOSH REL uh, ceiling limit of ten parts per million. Now for 10 minutes and the OSHA PEL, uh, the vacated was uh, 10 PPMs or eight, 10 PPM for eight hours. That If they're going to cite you, that's going to be under the general duty clause. That's usually where all of the exposure limits are set is something at that uh, level, right? At that uh, level is uh, uh, 10 parts per million. All the meters are set at that. So, do-do-do going on and if i'm right now i'm looking at newjersey.gov uh uh information on this and it says no 10 parts per million for uh anything over 10 parts per million it's uh respirator use supplied air and anything 100 100 parts per million is the idlh uh, level Hydrogen sulfide, not, it's very uh, common poisoning out there and everything else. So threshold, the odor threshold is very low. If you're going to uh, start to uh, get higher levels, right? So we're talking 10 parts per million or more, you're going to have a problem. And what happens is uh, at when you hit 100 parts per million, not only is it IDLH, it's also no smell, between 700 and 1400 it's uh has great uh, negative effects to your body 
right, pulmonary effects. And at 1,400 and 2,800, you have a paralysis of the respiratory center and breathing stops. From what I understand, most of the time when er, when people die from this, it's from uh, you have a lot of uh, something in the 1,400 to 2,800 range. Now, something else to know, uh, when you're calibrating your air monitoring equipment with any type of gas, but especially a flammable type of gas like hydrogen sulfide where it can be flammable, you have a valve on your calibration gas. It's my policy. I put the, uh, the gas on the cradle or use the valve. Right, if you're old school, you use the valve. New school, you have a whole calibration cradle where everything is automated and computerized and uh, recorded by uh, data logger. Right, so when I'm doing it, I use the cal- the uh, H2S, and I take the valve off, or I take I take it out of the cradle every time, because it happened to me in the in my younger days where somebody left the valve on unknowingly and it, hydrogen sulfide leaked out in an office. Happened on a Friday afternoon. How do you think that place was smelling on, on Monday morning? Big issue. Depressurize the whole cylinder. That could cause a problem. Displacement of oxygen or flammable or IDLH situation. So what's the moral of this story? Uh, visit Sheldon Primus. Uh, anything I don't have his information in front of me. The Safety Consultant Podcast. Uh, that he does teach HUS right hydrogen sulfide class. Again, who should be getting this? My opinion, just my opinion. Anybody working with it should be getting some type of training with it. So, for example, right now, I'm doing work at a sewer treatment plant. I'm doing safety audits there. Everybody is educated in hydrogen sulfide. Uh, oil refining industry and uh, hydrogen sulfide is in the crude oil, right? It's, and it's a byproduct of the process. Uh, some of the uh, uh, pipes and oil refinery, 90% hydrogen sulfide, way above the... Uh, Upper explosive limit, but what happens when they get released into the atmosphere? Let's say through a leak. Now you're in a flammable range. You can have a problem. All that stuff going on. It's not no joke uh, here with uh, hydrogen sulfide. Nothing to be messed with. So here we have a federal investigation orders church to pay back wages and reinstate employee for fired for raising concerns about rodents and insects in child care center. This is in Dallas. After a nutrition specialist employed at a certain facility raised concerns about rodents, spiders, and other insects in its cafeteria, kitchen, and other areas, their employer acted far from charitable and terminate, uh, terminated the worker in August of 2021. After an investigation by OSHA, the employee's allegation that the facility operator of the child care center wrongfully fired them. The agency has ordered the employer to reinstate the nutrition specialists and pay them back wages, interest and compensatory damages. OSHA's whistleblower program in Dallas determined that the facility violated the Food Safety Modernization Act when it illegally terminated the employee 
for in retaliation for exercising their protected rights to support to report unsafe and health and healthy conditions. The facility's actions, quote, short the employee are unacceptable and deeply concerning, said OSHA regional administrator, administrator uh, Eric S. Harbin. And I tell people never to call me when I'm on the air. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, The existence of rodents and insects in food preparation and serving area poses a health hazard. The employee had the legal right to express apprehensions about the unhygienic surroundings and should not have been fired for doing so. All right, so if we recall, and they have the findings here on the press release and heavily redacted. Okay, so this has a little bit more uh, information. The respondent hired the complainant as a nutrition specialist starting in May 2021. Uh, she was making 560 a week for 40-hour week without benefits and overtime. On or about May 24th, the complainant started seeing insects and spiders inside the childcare facility, primarily in the kitchen, the cafeteria, and front foyer area. As the complainant believed these conditions could compromise food safety, uh, they, uh, rep- the complainant reported his concerns about the infestation to the daycare center director. Then the air conditioning unit for the daycare stopped working and complaint reported the issue to so-and-so, as redacted, who advised it would be fixed. However, the air conditioning did not function until early July. As such, temperatures were very high in the kitchen and cafeteria during the hot Texas summer and jeopardized food safety and health. Despite positive feedback for his work and no disciplinary action, shortly after complainant began reporting food safety issues, the complainant was issued to incident and slash observation letters. First, on June 16th, after complaint that raised concerns about the insects and spiders uh, and non-functioning air conditioning, issued an, so-and-so issued an incident or observation letter to the complainant for a dress code violation, alleging that the length of the complainant's pants he wore was above the knee. The complainant denied wearing shorts, saying that he wore pants that extended below the knee. Most notably, at the time the incident observation letter was issued, you gotta love this, the respondent did not have a written dress code policy for male employees. At the time, the board uh, and blindball, so, someone and the board secretary responded and respondent admitted to the complaint that no such dress code vo- policy existed. Uh, second, on June 28th, uh, Someone observed a complaint laying on the couch uh, in the director's office and issued an incident observation letter. While on July 6th, while the air conditioning unit was being repaired, complainant discovered an infestation of rats, roaches, the process, and the presence of rat guvno in the kitchen. The following day, the complainant reported, reported the insect the vermin infestation to somebody who in turn reported to blank to schedule the, the exterminations. The complainant was aware that other staff had seen rats and he therefore began to clean and sanitize the cooking area multiple times per day to ensure safe food preparation uh, for the staff and ch- children. So-and-so resigned on August 24th. On October 26th, the complainant discovered another rat infestation. 
The complainant took pictures to document the infestation, then called somebody and reported the presence of rats, spiders, and insects and rat groove now in the kitchen and cafeteria. Goes on and on and on. So basically, how much is this going to have? Respondent shall pay complainant back pay plus interest in the amount of $11,000. And as of March 11th, and shall pay the complainant an additional back pay rate at the blah, 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 minus interim earnings until respondent makes complainant a bona fide offer of reinstatement. So what's the, what's the moral of the story here? Training is what it comes down to. That's what it is. It's training. Are your managers, do they know about whistleblowing complaints and how to handle this stuff? Or is it, hey, we're going to fire people. Oh, you're going to fire people? Good chance no, anybody with a computer is going to be able to look this stuff up. Federal investigators find operating and training deficiencies contributed to fatal refinery explosion that claimed two workers' lives. A federal investigation into two workers' fatal burns at a Ohio facility, crude oil unit, has found its operator violated the U.S. DOL's process safety regulations for highly hazardous materials. So they do not have... Is there an actual... Nope. They did not include... Oh, here it is. Ten, they cited the company for tents for a whole bunch of stuff here. So what do we got? Citation one. Uh, item one. 1910-119. The employer did not document that equipment complies with recognized and generally accepted good engineering practices. Sounds a little bit subjective to me, but regulation says you got to have it. Going on and on, and it describes that. What was the fine? $15,625. I'm sorry. That was not it. Hold on. No, that's what it is. $15,625. Citation item two, type of violation serious. Process hazard analysis did not identify, evaluate, and address the control of hazards involved. Another $15,625. Next one. Did not address the process hazard analysis. Did not address engineering or administrative controls applicable to the hazards and their interrelationships. Uh, that was another $15,625. Citation 1, item 4. Another process safety management one. $15,625. Next one, another process safety management. They just whacked them 10 times, it must be, on this. 15625 Written operating procedures. How many? No, how does this relate to human organization role performance? Here you're relying on heroic acts. You're relying on one or two people knowing how to operate that thing. Does that mean that that's a safe uh, is that a safe way of running? Absolutely not, is the answer. There are our five principles of HOP. There are no heroic things. Everyone's got to know what's going on. You're building capacity. The facilities that I visited, 
that's not what happens. You have one or two employees that know what's going on, and God forbid something happens when they're not there. Right? And a next one, another process safety management, written procedures that provide clear instructions for emergency shutdown, including the conditions under which emergency shutdown is required. Another $15,000. Another, here's another, citation one item eight, if you're keeping in uh, track. Written operating procedures, again, for what you're doing. Another $15,600. I find this hard to believe. This is a major oil company that they had no Written procedures here. Another one, job hazard analysis and safe work practices, such as lockout, tagout, confined space entry, opening process, equipment or piping, and control over the entrance into a facility. Right, your accountability, that they zero dollars on that one, but it's labeled as a serious thing. I have citation one, item nine. Did not develop a... Uh, Written operating procedures that provided clear instructions for safely conducting activities. 15,625. Citation 1, item 10. Each employee will not given process safety management training. Ooh, 15,625. And the last one, the process hazard analysis did not address human factors. Employer, uh, uh, so here, here's the description. The company failed to address human factors in the process hazard analysis to ensure that delays in screen loading on the South A board and the control room were corrected to allow for timely operator response in the event of an upset condition. Delays in the inside board operators to access inside, hold on, delays in the inside board operators to access, this makes no sense. Delays in the inside board operators to access control board screens timely. Written badly. They must have used chat pro GT or whatever it's called. Can inhibit the response in the operating units in the south area. All stuff easily prevented. So here we have some EPA news. I tell you what, let's take a break for a minute here. Let me catch my breath and we'll proceed. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables. 
catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com Some EPA news today. EPA recognizes 15 organizations for certifying the most buildings as Energy Star in 2022. The U.S. EPA has announced the names of 15 organizations that have uh, each earned EPA's Energy Star certifications for more than 150 commercial and multifamily uh and industrial buildings in 2022. In total, the top certifiers collectively certified more than 3,700 buildings representing over 800 million square feet of floor space. EPA is highlighting the organizations that are most active certifiers in the recognition of the 30th anniversary of the Energy Star program. So that's what's going on there. EPA report shows a decrease in chemical releases, uh, increase in recycling at uh, and recycling and waste management in Region 2 facilities. This is from uh, Region 2 in New York here. The new Region 2 is New York. I always love this. New Jersey, New York. Right, so you understand they're right next to each other in the same region. Then it throws in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Costs a hell of a lot more money for the government to uh, re- uh regulate those things and those regions when you have to hire when you hire people to work in region two and they got to also be prepared to go to puerto rico and the u.s virgin islands right because doing anything there environmental cleanup wise or, or anything else is a problem logistically because now you have to ship everything down by barge or boat or plane and believe me uh it's usually going on by boat if you're using heavy equipment. You're not going to put an abrasive blasting machine inside a, a, a plane, right? Can't drive there either. Today, the U.S. EPA releases 2021 Toxins Release Inventory, TRI, National Analysis, which shows that environmental releases of chemicals from facilities covered by the program remain below pre-pandemic levels at facilities across the U.S. Additionally, in 2021, facilities managed 89% of their TR chemical waste through preferred practices such as recycling, Energy recovery and treatment in the four jurisdictions of Region 2, the report shows long-term reductions in both the waste generated and the waste released from facilities. So the, the EPA website has a whole bunch of stuff going on here about, uh, about the states. They, list, they call them out separately, so maybe something worth uh, seeing. So... East Palestine, Ohio, train derailment, emergency response. This is what's going on. By the numbers, as of March 15th, that is yesterday, the guides of March, EPA, working alongside with federal, state, and local partners, continues to support the residents impacted by the Norfolk Southern train derailment. Two-day cleanup activities include 3,900 tons of contaminated soil, 6 0.4 million gallons of liquid wastewater treated and 616 indoor air screenings. So, uh, a lot of stuff going on and they're continuing to doing evaluations. And no, I believe there is a lawsuit here also uh, from the government against uh, Norfolk Southern. I'm looking at some of the photos here. So it looks like they're sparging a couple of creeks here. 
That's what I'm seeing, which is flow air through it. Aeration. Big operation here. And, yeah, I'm going through here. I see trucks. I see this and everything. Okay, so it was worth it to go there on the website to check these things out. Now for some financial news. We have Dow Jones Industrial at 32.246 is up slightly. S&P 500 at 39.60. NASDAQ is up 11.17.28. Russell 2000 is up to 17.71. U.S. Treasury notes, 10 years, sank to 3.5. Uh, Bitcoin is trading at 24, almost 25,000, 24.968.28. Crude oil fell again, 68.24. So, uh, people are going berserk here because of the bank bailouts. I mean, it's, uh, well, the only thing I'll say here is if the banks know that someone's going to bail them out, they'll do, they'll act recklessly. It's human nature. So, on March 10th, it was, the Dow closed at... 32,414. Now here we are at, uh, today was 32,247. So 114, right? Went to 23, 32,356 on the 10th was the highest. 32,4,14. Now they're at 32,247. So, Basically the same. Something to uh, just realize here. What this is very volatile. It's up, it's down. A lot of people are in a nervous wreck over this stuff. Uh, got to make plans so you're not a nervous wreck over this stuff. You got to roll with the punches as you can and make reasonable decisions. That's what I've always said. And consult a professional. I'm not a professional. Far from it. Gold is up uh, 1931. So... It's come up a lot uh, since March 10th, a week ago. Uh, silver is at 22.02, platinum at 9.95.30, and palladium is up at 14.65.50. We covered that, and some COVID-19. No, you know, we'll finish that up last. Pentagon UFO chief intrigued by possible alien dandelion seeds in our uh, solar system. So uh, the character, right, uh, that's from the Epoch Times. It's possible that an extraterrestrial spacecraft is sent in mini probes to study the planets of our solar system in a way similar to what human space agencies do. The head of Pen the Pentagon's unidentified anomalous phenomenon research office said in a recent draft report. So what uh, the characteristics of certain unusual, unexplained interstellar objects have prompted researchers to consider the possibility of a parent craft, a mothership, more or less. And that's what's going on there. So here we have, right, we're really big here at, on this program about uh, reconciliation and everything else. Here we had former Clinton White House and feminist author Naomi Wolf this week issued a formal apology letter to Republicans and conservatives after believing what she described as lies about the January 6, 2021 Capitol Hill breach. Let's get the letter here. 
So this is right from Dr. Naomi Wolf. There is no way to avoid, quote, here. There is no way to avoid this moment, the formal letter of apology from me to conservatives and those who put America first everywhere. It's tempting to sweep this information, uh, to sweep this confrontation with my own gullibility under the rug to move on without ever acknowledging that I was duped and that as a result I made mistakes in judgment and the, these mistakes multiplied by tens of thousands and millions on the part of people just like me hurt millions of other people like you all in existential ways. But the erasure of personal and public history would be wrong. I owe you a full-throated apology. I believe the Farrago of... I've never heard of that word. Uh, I believe a Farrago of lies, and as a result, these lies and my credulity, right? And the credu credulity, 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 <laughs> She was being credulous, right? And the credulity of people similarly situated to me, many conservatives' reputations are being tarnished on false biases. All right? Da -da -da. The approximate cause of this letter of apology is the airing of two nights ago of excerpts uh, from tens of thousands of hours of security camera footage. The footage was released by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Fox News and to Fox News commentary uh, Tucker Carlson. While fact-checkers fact state that it is in misinformation to claim Congresswoman National uh, Nancy Pelosi was in charge of the Capitol Police that day, the fact that the USCP right, is under the oversight of Congress according to the United States Capitol Police. All right? This would be the same Congress that convened the January 6th committee, and it goes on and on and on. So I'm not going to give an opinion here. I think I've been very upfront with this, where I was contacted by old political friends to go down there on January 6th, and I uh, 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 as I have said, I told them that they were nuts, and I knew that there was going to be a problem. I said, stay the hell away from the place. And they stayed the hell away from the place because why? Because there was, a, no, there was a problem. Regardless of how it happened and everything else, this happened. Were there some videos of uh, maybe some Asian provocateurs or some police, Capitol Hill police, who's escorting people through the Capitol? Yeah, that's on video. How are you going to deny that? What the context is or anything else, I have no idea of that. But to have somebody actually put out a olive branch and apologize on this, I said, you know what? This is probably a good thing to have someone do this. This is what we need more of. People working together. People, you know, people working together. We're all, no, and I hate to, I know it sounds cliche and everything else. We're all Americans here, right? In this country, we got to work together. We got to get along and everything else. And that's not only there all right, with these big political things, the macro, right? The big things. It's also in our lives. What good is this if we have this dialogue where people are just getting canceled? People are getting, now this goes either way. Don't think that the conservatives or the independent conservatives like me are so innocent here. Well, they're always complaining about being canceled. Well, guess what? For years, we did it to the other side, too. And this stuff needs to stop here. So, with this, well, we got to get along here 
And we have to have some understanding seeing the other person's point of view. And if only just to maybe improve our arguments or our advocacy for our point of view, but maybe it'll change your mind with things. Maybe you'll learn something that you didn't know about. Maybe you could try to persuade the other person. Maybe you can't persuade it, but maybe you gave the other person something to think about and just acting civilly towards each other. It's all important. Just rest on that. Think about it. We'll be back here tomorrow night, and uh, we'll explore more of these, more of this, right? And the other thing is this. This is part of what Safety Wars is. We're fighting the safety hazards, but there are also other battles out there. And this animosity towards our profession and everything else is not good. We could, we're going to do people a bigger favor in teaching how, them how to be along, get along and getting along with people, respecting the other person. You don't have to, you know, go out of your way too much to do this. So we'll see you tomorrow night and uh, take care. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thank you.